0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We're going to start a series tonight. Oh, yay, series. Um, I like series. <laughs> I never thought I could do those, you know, for a long time. Now I figured out, man, this is good. But uh, we're going to start a series tonight that I've been meaning to do for probably, I don't know, two to three months, but just didn't feel like the timing was right. So, uh, this week the timing is right. We're going to get started on it. And it kind of, it kind of blends in, you know, kind of follows along with, uh, the first couple of, uh, of, uh Wednesday nights, I was back, when we got back from California, we were talking about more, more in 2019. And how many of you are looking for more? Yeah. How many of you are already receiving more? You've already seen more crop up in your life. You know, you can never have more if you don't expect more. And sometimes it takes somebody prod and you say, you got to start expecting more. I mean, you, you, you don't, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. And so, you know, we need to get to the place where we're expecting more every single day. There's no reason why we can't expect more every single day. You know, you can get little care packages every single day. You can experience a blessing every single day. You can expect just somebody to come along your path who just just, just thrills your heart every single day. There's so many ways that God can bring more into your life. Tonight... We're going to start this series as a practical series. How many of you want to see more in the area of prosperity in your lives? Oh, amen. Well, you know, there is a God side of that and there is a man side of that. There is, there is um, what we can believe God for because his word tells us that he intends for us to prosper. He wants us to prosper. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants, that he wants us to be rich, which means amply supplied. Now, the person who lives in Africa, their version of rich may be two pigs and a cow. It's not exactly my idea of rich. You know, but for, for them, that is rich. That is well-supplied. You know, for, for each person, it, it might be a little something different. Rich just simply means that you have enough for all your needs and things, something left over to be able to be a blessing to somebody else. Because, see, that's the whole point. God never intended for us to, to enjoy prosperity just for our own sake alone. But his, his prosperity that he has designed for us is to be able to put us in a position where all of our needs are met, that we even have some desires of our heart, and that we have enough left over that we can be a blessing to somebody else because that's really what he wants our prosperity to do is to establish his covenant in the earth. But there is a practical side to your prosperity. And so we're going to be talking about that. And actually, I taught this class a number of years ago when we were doing classes, and we did it in six weeks and then I think, and I went back today and looked in, in some of my notes, and I thought, it has been three years almost since I said anything about this. I think we did a one-nighter on a, we ca- I called it a, a Money 101 booster. And uh, that was almost three years ago. So time has flown, and we're going to go back to it. But, you know... God wants us to be in partnership with him in every area of our lives. I mean, that's what he's called us to do, is to come into a place where we're partners with him. You know, we go back to that scripture that says, take upon you, uh, oh, let's see exactly how it goes. Um it says, "My burden is easy. My yoke is my yoke is easy, and my burden is light." He wants. To, we look at that word yoke a lot of times as being a bad thing. It's a yoke of bondage. You know, it's something really bad. But you know what? A yoke, all that it really was meant to do, was to put two people together to accomplish one goal. That's why you yoke up a set of oxen is so they can get a field plowed. They can do it together. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to partner with us in every aspect of our lives. And even in money, he wants to partner with us. But here's the thing. We have Scripture. We know we can stand on Scripture where money is concerned, where our prosperity is concerned. But, you know, the practical application of that is having the wisdom to put with what the Word talks about. Into practice, it also we, we talked before. I went to, to we went to California toward the end of the year. We had a, a tour, uh, one night on uh, on stewardship. When we talked about stewardship in all areas of your life. And usually, you know, you talk about, you say the word stewardship, people are most often going to think, you know, in terms of giving, money, giving, this kind of stuff. Well, it certainly applies there. And we're going to take that and we're going to apply it here tonight. Stewardship is basically the managing of assets. And when God puts something in our hands, and make no mistake, everything you have came from God. Everything you have, he supplied. Everything you enjoy is because of him. And so we should be looking to him to find help to manage what he has put in our hands. And one of the first things where it comes to prosperity that you and I need to remember is that prosperity is progressive. How many of you started tithing on one Sunday, and the very next Sunday you had a bumper crop of blessing? That's not the way it happens. Go over with me to, uh, I believe it's uh, Mark, the fourth (laughs) chapter, Mark 4, and I believe it is verse 28. And speaking of Mark, Mark Bauer, aren't you thrilled that we get one more shot at cool weather Hallelujah. I actually got to pull a sweater out one more time. I thought I was going to have to wait till next year to wear it. <laughs> but anyway, here in Mark 4, verse 28, it says, For the earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. So you can see that there is a progression of the blessings that are in our lives. There is a progression. We will see a, We will see the blade. We'll see it begin to work. Listen. I grew up in a household that believed in tithing, but when I had an opportunity um, to have income of our own, we didn't we didn't tithe. You know, we were at a church, we were at a fellowship with God, and, and we didn't tithe. And and honestly, you know, there were there was it was every single week, pastor got paid every week, and it seemed, there was never enough money to get to the next paycheck. I was constantly borrowing a few dollars from my mom and paying her back when payday came. Constantly. I mean, it was all the time, but I paid her back. Um, and, And you know what? When we got back into church and we started tithing again, suddenly there was no more income than what we had always had. There was all the same bills we had always had up to this point, and now there was enough to cover it every week. Yeah. I wasn't saying, Mama, can I borrow $10 until payday? I wasn't saying that anymore. So I mean, there was a progression of that. You know, that first blade that came up was the need was met. You know, there wasn't anything left over, but bless God, the need was met. I wasn't borrowing from anybody to make, just to make the ends meet. And then came the year where... Ah, our standard of living has gone up, and we're still paying all the bills, and there's still no, no extra, I mean, there may not be much extra, but our standard of living has gone. And then all these years later, we're beginning, not just beginning now, but we're, we're seeing You know, that God, the blessings of God after all these years, I mean, it's just so abundant. It's so apparent. And it's been there for a long time. And God's enabled and blessed us and enabled us to have more than enough to meet our own needs and more than enough to be able to give to every good work, you know. And, And that's what happens in your prosperity. It comes a little bit at a time. And you know why God doesn't just throw it on, dump it on you all at once? He wants to make sure you know how to manage it. He wants to make sure you're going to be a good steward of what he puts in your hand. He wants to make sure that you keep the right attitude about money and about what he blesses you with before he gives you so much that you get yourself in trouble. He's wise like that. If God were, you know, we we see that just in the natural realm of things. People, they say that people who win big lotteries, find themselves in a financial mess in just a few short years. They've gotten money that's just, I mean, just is like mind-blowing sometimes, and so many of them lose it all. There was, a, there was somebody who lived down the street from our old house, and, um, and we found out that they had won some lottery, some Florida lottery or something, and, boy, they, they did all this stuff to this property that was just down the road from us and everything. Didn't take too many years, and the place got into disrepair. And we're going. What in the world happened? I mean, they squandered what they had. God doesn't want to give you so much that you're tempted to squander it. And so He wants you to take it and just learn. You know, my children, I wouldn't give them an overabundance of anything at one time because I want to make sure that they handle it well. Let me give you a little, and let's see how you do with that. And then that they, they, we gave them more, gave them more. That's a principle that goes runs across life, you know, in everything. He who's faithful in a little will be faithful in much. If God gives you a little, be faithful in the little he gives you. And then he can bless you with much. You know, that's just the way that works. And so, um, you know, we're talking about stewardship. And in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, it says it's required, not suggested, not a good idea, but it is required in stewards, and you are a steward of the things of God. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Matthew 25, 23 says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Luke 16, 10 and 11 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. If therefore you've not been faithful or trustworthy in unrighteous mammon, which is money matters, who will commit to you the true riches? Um... I've got several different places to go here, Um, and I'm I'm kind of looking over a couple of different pages, but here's something that Luke 18.8 says. It says, For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. The Williams translation of that says, The children of this generation act with more business sense than the men who enjoy spiritual light. See, we have an obligation to have a place where we operate in this world where money' is concerned with great wisdom. God has' given, given you wisdom. I mean, doesn't James say that if any man lacks wisdom, lay mask of God who gives to all men liberally and does not withhold? If you go to the book of Proverbs, you will find countless scriptures in the book of Proverbs that talk about money and how you manage money, how you deal with money, how you deal in business, how you just handle your financial affairs. You know, and it has to get to the place where we we see money as what it is. It's a tool. It is a tool that God wants us to use to enhance our lives and to enhance everybody else's lives. It... um, you have, to, you have to keep it in perspective. There's nothing wrong with money. Isn't that good to know? Everybody's going, well, you know, money's, money's a problem. No, money's not the problem. The love of money is the problem. And there are people who, who have lots of money who have a problem with money because they love money. There are people who have virtually nothing, but they love money. And that's why they do not handle their financial affairs well, because they love money. and They want to take money. They want to spend it. My dad used to say about my sister and me, the two of us were so different. He said, I would hang on to a nickel till it squealed, and my sister couldn't keep it in her pocket before she spent it. I'm still kind of like that, you know. know, uh, It's sometimes a good thing, and it's sometimes not so good a thing. The person who, who, like me, who likes to hang on to it is the person who won't let go of it very easily when God's talking to them. But that's something that I can learn, and I have learned, and, and still, you know, growing and developing in. And when God says certain amounts that come, I, you know, you, you go to, you go somewhere, you know, like to uh to a meeting like we were at in California, and you kind of go with a kind of an idea of what you think, you know, we, you know. We'll put this much in the offering while we're there. And you get out there, and God says, well, you can just double that. And you go, really? Okay. You know, m- right now, my, 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 my version of, really, is a lot less than it used to be. I've, there have been times when I have pastors said to me, we, I feel like we need to do so-and-so, and I'm going, uh, can we sleep on that? You know, can we, can give me just a little bit of time to adjust to that figure. You know, give me just a little bit. I, I, I just need to kind of, you know, let that sink in. You know, you know what? <clears throat> when God's talking to you and you know it's God, you can let go of it. And you can give what he tells you to give. You know, and that's just part and parcel of this whole thing. But here's the thing. We have to learn to use wisdom when it comes to money. And managing money, no amount of faith can make up for poor money management. Amen. Do you hear me? No amount of faith. If you keep making the same mistakes with money, you will never be able to have what God wants you to have. And no amount of faith. You can you can quote scripture all day long. I have prosperity. I do this. I. Do. It won't make any difference if you don't know how to manage what you have. You know, it's, it, that's, just, that's just all there is to it. Listen, God's not going to keep giving you something for you to waste. He is not a financial enabler. Do you hear me? He is not a financial enabler. You cannot expect God to keep digging you out of the same hole that you dug for yourself over and over and over and over again. Now, if you make a mistake, God is merciful. Thank heavens, He's merciful. And if you recognize that, you recognize that that there you made a mistake, and you say, "Father, you forgive me. I did not consult you before I did this particular thing, and so I got myself in this mess." So, I ha- please, Lord. I'm asking you to help me get out of it, and he will. But he also expects you not to do it again. Stop making the same mistake over and over again. Usually it's a case of flesh. That's all it is. It's a case of our flesh. Giving in to our flesh and letting our flesh dominate what we do with our money. I know it's a big amen right there. But here, let me ask you this. What does your current attitude and management habits say about you? Stop and think about that. What's your attitude about money? And what are your money habits? How about this is what I'm going to give you about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven things that this says about you. Your attitude about money and what your money habits say. Number one, it says whether you see God as your source or not. Do you see Him as your provider? Do you see Him as the source of everything that you have? Do you see Him as the source no matter what the economy does, no matter what the bills, whatever comes your way, whatever happens to just all of a sudden you've got a need? What does it say about you? What's your attitude? Is he the director of your affairs? Do you consult with the one on the inside where your money is concerned? You know, oh, no, I don't want to go there because I'll get ahead of myself. Okay, so number one, it speaks about your attitude, about your source of what you have. Number two, it speaks about your work ethic. Second Thessalonians 3.10 says a man who won't work won't eat. I'm telling you, we're living in a society, there's a lot of people who don't want to work, but they want somebody to feed them. (laughs) It's not There are people who can't work, okay? I do understand that, and I recognize it, and that's what there is help for. But there are some people who are well able, capable of working, and choose not to work. They don't want to work. I I, I know some people in, in my extended family who could work, and, and they totally expect somebody else to provide for them, be it the government or anybody or somebody else. They, they, don't see, they cannot understand why somebody's not helping them. They cannot understand why somebody doesn't provide everything that they want. Can't understand it. But the Bible clearly says if a man won't work, he won't eat. Amen. First Timothy 5 8 says, a man who won't provide for his own is worse than an infidel. Yeah, I mean you could you could say a lot like right that right there. There are, you know, I, I saw I saw a, a relative of mine years ago who was married to a man who was very content to let his wife do all the work, and he just kind of puttered around. She worked herself to the bone. She worked all the time, and he was content just to let her work. There was no reason why he couldn't work, except he just didn't want to. And my mother has this saying. She said, there's nothing, worse than a, there's nothing sorrier than a lazy man. I don't know where she got that little term, but she's kind of right. There's nothing, wor- nothing sorrier than a lazy man. You know, we need to instill in our children a work ethic. And if somebody didn't instill it in you when you were growing up, you have no excuse not to learn it on your own. You shouldn't be looking at somebody else to provide for you and do for you. You should be expecting that God provides you with a job which is a source. It's not the only source you should expect. But he will provide you with a job, a source of income, so that you can provide for yourself and or your family. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 20:13 says, do not love sleep lest you come to poverty. Some people can't hold a job because they love to sleep too much. They want to stay up all night doing heaven only knows what and then sleep all day and then wonder, how come there's nothing to eat in the house? Oh, well, why don't I have a car? Why doesn't somebody provide me with a car? Well, why doesn't somebody give me gas money? Well, so why doesn't somebody do this? Why doesn't somebody do that? Why? Well, well, you know, listen, that's not the way this works. Um, it says, do not love sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you'll be satisfied with bread. It means get your lazy butt up and go to work. That's just really what it boils down to. Get yourself up and go to work. You know, I... having been pastoring for 39 years, you see lots of things. And so I remember remember years ago, there was a gentleman in the church who had a great job. He was a hard worker. And then he got laid off. And so time went by. And, you know, in that kind of a situation, when, when the economy has changed, and maybe your particular area that you're best at, is, is not hiring, go find something else until that opens back up. And so he refused. He sat at home. He just sat at home. Didn't work. Was not interested. People would tell him about jobs that were available. They weren't high-paying jobs, but it was a job. They would tell him about, about things that were, that were available. He wouldn't go. He wouldn't work. And after a period of time had come and gone, now he doesn't want to work. He has no desire to work. He, you know, he's, he's satisfied. I mean, this was gracious 20 years ago, I guess. And it was the saddest thing. And, then of course, you know, during this course of time, he's in, out of church more and more. Until one day, you know, we realize we don't see him anymore. And come to find out, he's upset with the church at large because while he's out of work, nobody helped him. Well, my answer to that, if I'd had an opportunity to be asked about it by him, would have been the power to get a job was in your hands. Now, why would God supply your need through the people of this church when it was within your capability to go out and get a job that paid less maybe, but still paid until your job in your field came open again? See, God does not owe you to get out there and to provide for your needs when you will not do your part. If you won't do it, you know, and it's and it's really because not because God doesn't care, not because he's harsh, but because you need to understand that you have a part. That you need there's a part you need to play in this thing. And you need to do it. You know, I you know, when we left and left uh, Jacksonville, went to went out to Rama, I had a great job, you know, in a doctor's office that supplied our needs, you know, to a, to a big extent, not completely. We had to believe God even beyond that while we were out there. But when we came back home You know, and the church was very young and there was very little available for a salary. Um, You know, I I needed to go to work. I mean, I I need to do something to bring some more income in for our family. And, and we knew pastor wasn't supposed to be out there working a secular job. So I need to go, well, what is there I can do? Well, it didn't seem to have any jobs opening in, my, in the medical field for me that I could, that were close enough by that I could take care of my, my kids in the afternoon and that kind of stuff. So I cleaned houses. You know, you do whatever it takes. And God blessed that. He blessed that. I put my hands to something. And he blessed what I put my hands to. Isn't that what the Bible says? He'll bless whatever you put your hands to. If you're not willing to put your hand to something, there's, he can't bless it. Not because he doesn't want to, because he can't. This gentleman who sat home, you know, unemployed, he, God couldn't bless him because he wasn't willing to put his hand to anything. So it speaks volumes about your work ethic. Uh, Proverbs 22:29 29 says, Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before king. Listen, in the middle of all this, I I recall a young man who who lost his job at a a manufacturing plant. And and he said, you know, I've I've got to do something. So he started a lawn care business. And within a couple of short years, his business was booming. He would never have even considered such a thing while he was still working in that manufacturing job. And he split that thing off, and today he's a, very, he's a very well-off man because he was willing to put his hand to something. God blessed him and opened up avenues he had never considered before that God used to bring prosperity into his life. Listen, when one area closes, I, 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 I'm recalling another gentleman I know right now who got, who got fired as, as the plant manager of, of a, of a place, that, place that he was at, and he was beside himself, and he really didn't know what to do, so he went to real estate school, and now he owns a real estate firm. You know, he made a statement that he said he would never have done that had he not been forced to. He had to put his hand to something, and God blessed him. So, you have no excuse because you got laid off. Put your hand to something and see what God will do. What, is, what else does it say about you? It speaks about your priorities. Go with me to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Your attitude and your money habits will say this about you. Hallelujah. Matthew Six start in verse nineteen. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures in heaven upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. See, skip down to verse thirty three. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? You see, if you look back in the previous verses, it talks about being being concerned about what you're going to wear, being concerned about what you're going to eat, that God will provide. You know, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So it talks about your priorities. It speaks about number four. It speaks about your motives. Proverbs 28, 22 says, A man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. What kind of poverty? Spiritual poverty is worse than any other kind of poverty. The man who goes after riches, and we've seen it more times than I like to, to count, where people got into, say, business. God, God gave them a business And he began to prosper them. And suddenly that business took on a life of its own. It became so important, all-consuming, that where that person was consistent in church, always here, always available, always ready to put their hand to anything that was going on at church, always ready to be a blessing, always ready to help in whatever area they could serve in. Now they're they're missing, well, Wednesday night, I've, I've just got this to do. I've got this to take care of. And before long, well, Sunday night. Well, I've got this to take care of. Well, I've got this to do. You know, it's my business. Like, listen, if you're in business for yourself, you can make your own hours. Yeah, but this person wants to meet me with me on a Wednesday. What am I going to say? You tell them you have another appointment. If you don't think that they're going to understand that you go to church, then just say, "I have a prior commitment. I have a prior appointment." You should have a prior appointment. You should have a prior commitment. When what pastor is talking about on, on Sundays with about children, you know, about the fact that, that there was never there was never a time in our children's lives where they ever questioned whether they were going to church or not. It's because Sunday meant church. Wednesday meant church. There was those two went together. They were never a separate thing. Are we going to church on Wednesday night? Are we going to church on Sunday? No, there was never a question. Sunday means church. Wednesday means church, which means you have a prior commitment. That's what it means. You have a prior commitment. You can manage to work that out. Some people will say, yeah, but I've got this to do. You, you can't give God two hours of your time on a Wednesday night. The two hours it takes to get yourself here, be in church, and then go home. You, you, you haven't got two hours Sure you do. Sure you do. If that's so all-important and all-consuming that you've just got to get it done, bless God, honey, you can stay up late. And, and say, Lord, whatever, whatever sleep I managed to get tonight is going to be sufficient for tomorrow. Yeah. You can, you can spend those two hours with God, and I guarantee you, he will redeem that Time. I guarantee it. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know, again, we said 1 Timothy 6.10 says, The love of money is the root of all evil. (laughs) You know, we don't need to love the things of this world that much. You're not going to take it with you. The money that you give into the kingdom of God that produces eternal results will follow you to heaven. Not the money itself, but the fruit of what that money produced. Like the money you give to missions. Like the money you put in your local church. There's fruit that comes into your account that follows you to heaven. To love money that, that will be burned up on this earth, that means there's nothing you can buy with money in this physical realm that's going to go with you to heaven? Nothing. And so why do we spend so much time trying to obtain it when it's going to mean nothing in the end? Absolutely nothing. But to know that when you put money into the gospel in whatever form it is, whatever project it is, that it's going to bear eternal fruit that comes into your account, that's what matters. And see... If, if, we cut, if we get that idea in our heads and we get it established in our heart, that principle, if we can get it established in our heart, then we're glad to give our tithe. We are glad to give to missions. We're glad to give into the maintenance projects. We're glad to give into a guest speaker. We're glad, but do you know there are people who stay home when guest speakers come so they won't have to give? There are people who will deliberately leave their checkbook at home so they won't have to give. That's so sad. That is so sad that your money means more to you than something that's eternal. Sad. That is, that is so ridiculous. I, I just, I'm marveling. Well, I don't have much. To give. Well, fine, you don't have much. Give what you have. I had a lady years ago who was in a financial bond and she put five postage stamps. In the offering because that's all she had of any monetary value. You think God's not going to bless that? Of course he is. And yet we're so all consumed with how our money is going to, oh, oh, it's going to take away from what I want. It's going to take away from what I need. That we will do stupid things like stay home. Or leave our checkbook at home, or our purse at home, or our wallet at home, or our cash in the car just so we can't be tempted to give it. Oh, God might talk to me, so I'm not even gonna have it available. Really? Really? That speaks volumes about your attitude about money, speaks volumes about your motives, speaks volumes. You should never come to a service where there's a guest speaker. And I'm saying this ahead of Shekinah coming, but I'm saying this for the benefit of every guest speaker who ever comes. You should never come to a service where there's a guest speaker and not put something in. It might not be much. Well, it's only $5. So what? It's only $5. If everybody had that same attitude, you'd how many many people would give $5 would add up to more? We We have a reputation amongst traveling ministers that this is a very generous church. They speak in generalities about it's a very generous church, but let me tell you, get right down to the nitty-gritty tonight, that does not say that there's a lot of, that everybody in this church is generous. Can we just talk tonight? Can we just talk tonight? It doesn't say that everybody is generous. It means that there's, a, there's, a, there's some people in the church who are, who are abundantly generous, who make up for the people who aren't. That's, that's not right. It's not right. You know, as a family, everybody has a part and everybody has a share in what we do. And so everybody ought to participate. Nobody is saying everybody has to participate at the same level. If I give $1,000 where Shekinah comes, that doesn't mean you have to. I only have 10, Pastor Angel. Fine, give your 10. That's your part. My part might be $1,000 and your part might be 10. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's wonderful. Well, I've only got a dollar. Put it in. It's all right. Just do what God puts on your heart. To do, Just do your share. Do your part. Don't let, whether it's fear or stinginess, keep you from being blessed. How much you, you, sit, in a, you sit in a service where there's, where there's a, a guest speaker, you know, or something, and you just, I mean, God just, I mean, he opens your heart so much and you get blessed. Maybe they pray for you in a particular area, and you go out going, Oh, man, that was wonderful. And you gave nothing in return. How long do you think that blessing that you received is going to last? It wasn't valuable enough for you to give what you could. Doesn't it say that, that those who that we've received from, that they deserve to have your support? And it's talking about monetary support. Man, I got all, way off track here. I am so sorry. No, I'm not. Um, it needs to be said. It needs to be said. Hallelujah. Uh, so we'll move on from that when everybody say, "Amen. Uh, hallelujah. OK, next one, your attitude and your money habits, your current attitude and money habits, speaks about your integrity. Proverbs 22:1 says, "A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Your integrity. Proverbs 22 one you know here's an attitude that we adopted years ago when we when we I, before I guess before we ever went to Rhema. but our attitude was this once we'd gotten a hold of of prosperity once we've gotten a hold of you know giving and and just tithing and sometimes that's all you could do is just tithe. and that's the least anybody should do is tithe tithing is not your the only thing you do. Tithing is really not optional. Tithing, I am really getting ahead of myself. Tithing is what God says belongs to Him already. It's not yours. It's His already. You've given Him nothing when you give your tithe. that He doesn't already belong to Him. When we give Him offerings in other areas, that's when we give. Because the tithe belongs to Him. And we made, we made a commitment years ago that, number one, we tithed, and after that, we paid all of our bills. And number three, what was left is what we ate on. And I'm telling you what, in the early days of this church and while we were at Ramah, there were sometimes very little left over for groceries I have a family of four. Fortunately, at the time they were pretty little; they weren't like big, huge eaters. So I mean, you can make a, something go a long way. But I'm telling you what, Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. I, we never found ourselves in a place where we were begging for bread. God always supplied, always supplied. supernatural. Sometimes, just I mean, the timing of of things that would come our way. Somebody said, you know, I was at the store the other day and I and I bought two hams. You want one of them? I don't know why I bought two. And went, That'd be great, thanks. A lady in the church raised rabbits for sale to eat, and she would, she'd have show up at church, you know, and, and bring me a rabbit, already dressed out and ready, you know, put in a pot and make some good rabbits too. You just never know what even some little something might mean a difference to somebody in their life. But that was because we had some integrity. Our integrity said that we honor God first, Number two, we honor the commitments that we've made. And number three, God will have to take care of us. He'll have, to, he'll have to provide food for my children. Now, I could stand to lose a few pounds, so, you know, if I don't eat, it's no big deal, you know. But my children better eat. My children better have food on the table. And God knew that. He knew that that's what we expected. And he provided all the time. Um, Your attitude and money habits speak about your self-discipline. How do we handle this old flesh man who sees it and wants it and just got to have it? How do we deal with that? Hmm. Luke 12, 15 says, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance... Does his life consist of his possessions? So Pastor, Pastor Angel, I just can't help myself. I mean, I just saw this really cute pair of shoes. I just had to have them. Stop going to where the shoes are. If you got a problem with shoes. I mean, listen, if I'm on a diet, the last place I need to go is a bakery. Same thing with shoes. You know, whatever. If you got a problem saying no to something, don't go where that something is. Keep yourself in a place that you're not going to be tempted. Don't look at the sale flyers. Throw them away. Don't look at all those things they send you in the mail, you know, all those, the sale catalogs. Don't even look at them. Throw them in the garbage. Get rid of them. We're going to be talking a lot more about some of this kind of stuff. You don't have to eat out every single day of the week. Your little flesh man can go in the kitchen and make a sandwich before you leave home in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Young couple in the church years ago. He got paid once a month. And when he get paid once a month, for the next two weeks, they ate out every single night of the week. They were constantly buying this and buying that. And listen, those crazy little old drinks at the store are expensive after a while. Your little Starbucks doesn't come cheap. Do you know how much you're spending in that? Make your own cup of coffee. Stop that. Discipline your flesh. And we're going to talk about how to discipline your flesh when it comes to money a little later. You don't have to have everything somebody else has. We are not in a race and competing with somebody else. Listen, they may be at a different level of prosperity than what you are currently. You do not have to try to keep up with them and you don't have to buy it just to impress somebody or you don't have to buy it just so they won't think you don't have enough. I dealt with that for a long time, you know, about, about how... Uh, well, in fact, in several different ways. I, years ago, when, when the church was young and we didn't have money, I mean, I just had to tell my family, you know, we're not buying Christmas for anybody but our kids. This, that, that's just all there is to it. And that's a discipline of the flesh. When you have a, you know, you have a relative, a, my, my sister was always buying something. and I'm going, please stop that. Just please, please don't. Number one, you really shouldn't because you, I, I knew she really didn't have it, but she would give, give stuff and I would say, stop, because I can't give you anything. She would oh, it's okay, it's okay. But there was this pressure, this pressure to do something, to give something to somebody else or to buy something because, well, they've given it to me. They've given me something. I I can't give. Do you say, I'm sorry, I just can't? That's how you do it. You say, "I, I can't. You're not here to impress anybody. If you're in the game of impressing people with the things that you have, something's wrong. And then PG married into a very wealthy family. You know, and, and you know, the grandkids come along and, and the other grandparents are buying them all these these big ticket items and I'm going, I'm not spending that kind of money. I, I'm just not. I mean, that's crazy. I'm not spending that kind of money at Christmas. Sometimes I couldn't. And sometimes I could, but chose not to. I'm not here to impress anybody with what I can give. Or what I can do. Or what I have. You know, it's really sad when... I'm telling you what, you know, there's all kinds of examples over the years. Family, you know, that seemed to be in, in, in financial straits. And she had, a, she had a wonderful manicure every two weeks. And some expensive shoes on. And drove a really nice vehicle, lived in a shack. Crazy. Crazy. What was she trying to do? Keep up with somebody else? You know, I've got to have the latest and greatest. No, you don't. No, you don't. You'll eventually get there. Be satisfied with where you are at the moment. Be satisfied with where you are at the moment because if you're at a place where maybe I don't have all the big ticket items that other people enjoy right this minute, I'm still able to give where I'm at. I'm still able to give. Don't judge what you have or you don't have by somebody else's standard of living. Stop that. Stop it. Lastly, your current attitude and money habits speak about your christian witness this kind of goes back up with integrity matthew 5 talks about the fact that we are salt and we are light in this world first timothy 3:7 says talks about bishops but you know what the the qualification that that applies to pastors when it comes to money apply to everybody it says moreover he must have a good report a good testimony among those who are outside. Romans 14, 13 says, But judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. There are people who once went to church who had business dealings with other Christians who failed to pay their bills. And then as a result of that, that testimony of that witness They said, I don't want anything to do with church because it's full of a bunch of hypocrites. Well, that's a wrong attitude as well. But it happens. (laughs) It happens. You know, when you don't conduct yourself with a high level of expectation out of yourself when it comes to dealing with money, it reflects on you, yes, yes. It reflects on God because let me tell you, there are people out there in this world who are looking for ammunition to say Christians are a bunch of bozos, that they're swindlers. There was a day when my father was pastoring when I was young where all it took to seal a deal was a handshake. And right now to this day, well, I can tell you this, from when we were looking for a building loan for this church, it was like getting Fort Knox opened up to get a loan for a church because loaning institutions had been burned by so many churches. What does that say to the world? We say, well, that's a church. Well, you are the church. What does it say when you owe somebody something and you don't pay them? It's a terrible testimony for God, a terrible witness for God. It reflects on God, not just you. It reflects on the church you go to. Yes. Went down to McDonald's. I don't know, was it me or was it Pastor Greg? And I think it was Pastor Greg was down at McDonald's. And somebody, you know, is after church on a, on a Sunday night, I think maybe. And he's and like, somebody just, you know, Down there, just strikes up a conversation and say, "Oh, I'm awful dressed up." He goes, "Well, I just left church." Oh, what church? Oh, and we just down the street here. Oh, I know somebody goes there, and he did. And he did. It reflected on the church, the business experience this person had involved themselves with. With the person they were railing on, impacted the way they viewed this church. It's not just you. Your testimony, your witness, affects everything. It affects God. It affects you. It affects your Christian testimony. It affects the church you go to. There are some people, I wish they wouldn't say go. No, There are times that people say they go here and I'm going like, I see you twice a year. You don't go here. You know, you don't, you do not. Or I haven't seen you in three years. This is not, you call this your church, but I haven't seen you in three years, okay? I don't kind of think that qualifies. But they will name us as a church they go to and have a terrible witness. What does that do? It doesn't help us. We're, ha- we're here to, to reach a community, not to be isolated from the community because of your bad business. mm No. So, with that, I have eight minutes. Do I go further? Hallelujah. We're going to talk next week about things like budgets. It's not a four-letter word. I promise you. It's a six-letter word. (laughs) Budgets are not bad things. They're not. But we're as stewards of what God's entrusted us with. We need to have a firm foundation, a firm, natural foundation that incorporates a spiritual foundation as well. And, um, and we're going to make the most of what we have by developing and maintaining good financial habits. And I'm telling you what, when, you, when you're a good financial manager of the things that God has blessed you with, he will bless you with much, much more. He needs to know that he can trust you with the blessings he sends your way. And he's just waiting for an opportunity to bless you at every turn. He wants to bless you. There's, there's just no equivocation about that. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. And there are some people who are not experiencing blessing because they're not putting themselves in a position to be blessed. Do you hear me? We we have a responsibility to make sure that we are in life where we're supposed to be in every area so that those areas he can bless us to the max that he wants to bless us in. Some people are content to be blessed with a little. I'm not content to be blessed with a little. Are you? If this is a year of more, do you want more or not? This is a good basic place to start on on doing your part to make sure that the more is in your life. At the end of 2019, you can look back and you can see how much more God has brought you into. And so that's what I'm after. So for the next couple of three weeks, however long it takes, We're going to be talking about just some practical aspects. And and for tonight, I think I'll just stop right there so we don't get into the next segment. Amen. Hallelujah. If you have some questions about money matters over the next, you know, that you think of over this next few days, please feel free to write them down, hand them to me, email them to me, text them to me, call, whatever. And uh, I won't have to put your name on it, but if you have questions about some things, I am not an expert. But, um, I've managed I've managed money pretty good, you know, for a long time, having a hun? for about forty nine years for the two of us, yeah, and about thirty something years for the church, and and I can tell you where every penny of it is, every penny. And so one of the one of the things I want to tell you, I, mean, I can just tell you this now. You can kind of chew on this in the next few days. And one of the things you need to establish first is where your money is currently going. And sometimes some people deal in cash so much they have no idea where they spend their money. Let me suggest to you, if you do that, get yourself a little logbook, just a little little spiral notebook, and start your day off by counting how much money you have on you if you deal in cash all the time. How much money do you have on you today? And then at the end of the day, write down how much you have left. And figure out where you spent the difference. You'd be amazed at where we waste money. Amazed. Listen, I go to a restaurant and a, a glass of tea is $2.99. Are you serious? It's good thing I don't like tea. <laughs> but I'm just going, really? There are places where we say, oh, well, it's just, it's just two bucks. you know how, many, how much two bucks just a couple of times a day adds up to over the course of a week? I figure if somebody is a smoker, that just the impact of how much that costs them, that habit costs them, should help them quit. I mean, that's a car payment, <laughs> you know. Good heavens. But, but let me just challenge you. If, if you deal with a lot of cash, you know, just in your pocket all the time, you, you really need to be conscious, deliberate and where you spend the cash that's in your pocket. Make a little log. Just keep a just keep track of it for a few days. You ever been to the doctor and they want you to log everything you eat? And you go, now you watch every little thing I put in my mouth. Okay, I'm not, not going to tell them about that. But don't be conscious of it during the day. Just at the end of the day, see how much you have left, and then go back and reconstruct where that money went. You may or may not be able to figure out where that money went that day. Let's just do something about that. Let's start off by figuring out where you are and how you're handling what you already have. Okay? Praise God! You got an extra three minutes. Ah, I'm quitting three minutes early. How about that? Scram! Hurry before I start something else. <laughs> See you Sunday.